Hey, Jeremy. Hi, Raphael. Hey, hello. <laughs> How are you? I, uh, yeah, you just told me that you were as sad as can be. No, not sad. I was just like frustrated right before the podcast. I, you know, you know, you do, I do a weekend of work and I'm really excited. Like I got it all done. And part of what I was doing was uh, submitting like a augmented reality, like lens for Snapchat. Um, and then it got rejected, uh, even though like the project's supposed to launch later this week. It's that whole thing that uh, if you, if you're the user, you're being used. Like if you don't own the platform, they own you. All, all that stuff, and and uh, yeah, it's it's for uh, it. It reminds like why me. Why would there I be triggered. someone? Yeah, yeah. Why would there be someone? But I, I thought about it also. All these NFT platforms, the it's not so decentralized. Do they like have any rules? Like, I you know what I'm like. I'm sick of kind of the terms of service, but I'm really sick of like automated terms of service. Like yeah. we said, like in this particular case. You know, they thought there was sexually explicit, sexually explicit material, but there's just like literally a tube that wiggles. <laughs> now you can interpret that however you like, but the fact that someone is subjectively interpreting it, I find offensive. Like I find it personally offensive to me as an artist. And I can remember like being, I'm triggered a- after many, many events over many years. Like um, I remember YouTube like stopping my live streams for like charity because they had like copyright music in them. Um, but I can also remember yeah, and, like having, and, co- and the know. stupid thing is that once you know how the system works, you, you can get really horrible stuff past the system because you know, it, it won't, it won't know what that is. So you could have something very innocent, which is flagged as pornographic. And then you could have insane hate speech and, and like convince people to kill people. And it'll get past the yeah. Well, that's I think that's the the crux of it is like that that angers me. It's like you can like you can you know be anti vaxxing <laughs> like you can be yeah. like an anti vaxxer, but you but can't that's, be. But that's that's a general. I feel like uh, in Western or American culture, they're much more strict on pornography than on violence. I know, but I don't even know what pornography is in this case. It's like a shape. No, like no, it... but you, you know my point. Like if people are like, oh yeah, we just watched the video of a mass murderer, but he said shoot, and uh, he said shit. We should change that to shoot. Well, what I'm really angry about also is that like, you know, they allow all of, the whole project that I was working on was about co- like contra normative um, aesthetics in AR, but like a lot of the the. Like actually, it was Instagram banned? Sounds like a PR opportunity for you. Yeah, it, is. it probably is because like Instagram banned, um, you know, filters that like mimic plastic surgery that you can get because too many users they were experiencing this thing called filter dysmorphia. They are going out into the world and then they're like seeking out real surgery and they're like telling the doctor, "Make me look like this filter." Like yeah, yeah. And like the, one lens on that can is it, that can that's you make really me bad. look like I'm puking rainbows? Yeah, <laughs> yeah but like. On, on the flip side, like there are people that don't feel like they belong in their bodies or want to look a different way. And those surgeries are a crucial part of them seeking out, you know, their identities. And and then on the top of it, like there's really so little harm that can be had from, I mean. Well, it, it, it's funny you bring all this up because it. what I heard is that all the entrepreneurs and all the young people who want to work with technology are all moving to blockchain because they don't want to deal with this shit. Yeah. It so is, it is a, all the fun stuff of like, hey, let's build an app that changes your face. Yeah, that sounds fun. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, here's a million lawyers and social workers and everybody's upset. And you're a person who just loves playing with technology and you don't want to 
deal with the world's problems. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was, con- I mean, the project's designed to confront this head on, but, and I'll find a way around it. I'll just like have like a sep- like a special, like uh, cheat code uh, to, to like get around <laughs> it. But like, it's just frustrating that it, I had, I had approved several versions of the filter. Yeah. And, you know, and it also, and, uh, yeah. a similar problem is when you make art apps and then the Apple decides it's not useful. They're like, yeah. what does this app do? Yeah. Or I've had Google, um, you know, ban my advertisements for not looking enough like ads, you know, like yeah. when I was trying to make, I was paying for banner ads. I just thought that they should look more artistic as like a, a project. And Google's like, we don't like that. We don't want ban- our banner ads being used for art. <laughs> it's just like, I'm paying you. Shut the fuck up. You know, like. Yeah, uh, I, I, I do think that end of the day, uh, owning the whole stack or as much of it as possible. That's why I always made things in domain names. Mm hmm. Because then, it's, you know, there's no board or committee that says, like, hey, this, uh, we don't like these colors in these shapes. What's going on here? Yeah, no, it's just um, it, it's just a reminder that we're still living, you know, most of the time under kind of observation and control. No, so. I don't think so. I think you could make an experimental app but distribute it yourself or do it through a webcam and i I think there are ways it reminds me too though that like if you remove all rules what do you get like second life did you ever visit no you you get the web like (laughs) the the web web. is still i mean as far as i know like it's very i haven't heard of net artists being censored directly by their host if you if you're let's say that you got amazon cloud storage and install your own server i don't think they would censor you if you made a tool that had a sexual reference or whatever mm-hmm, mm-hmm. no i mean i don't know i what, mean what it, is it, it's always this it's always this this um diy ethos that i keep thinking about like end of the day I, I i was always very uncomfortable with anyone looking over your shoulder and being like hey what are you trying to say are you sure about that i don't think da, da, da. Mm-hmm. yeah no, I know. I mean, have you ever been censored though in your actual work? Uh, no, I mean my work is not political, but I've been um, what's the word turned down a, a lot of times where people say, "Oh, that doesn't say enough. That uh, we don't like the colors. Oh no, that's not what we're looking for." Mm. So I, that's not censorship, but I've been. It's a kind of censorship, though, because yeah. it's saying whatever you have to say is not welcome. Yeah, but and and even it. You know, I don't want to abuse a word, so I understand what censorship is. So I don't know what, what you would call this, but like editorial selection. And if if you're reliant on someone and they're like, this is not the book we're looking for. We don't believe in it, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so I, I've always tried as much as possible to do things on my own. Well, of course, there are like different kinds of control. Like there's social control, like to your point, like this doesn't really fit into our narrative of whatever's happening, you know, um, and let, you know, I guess you could be really libertarian about it. Right. And in the United States is kind of founded on this principle of free speech. Right. But, um, yeah, I don't believe that the free speech, I think, no, I know there's all kinds of speech. That's really not, well, there's this joke that was funny that like prostitution is illegal in the U S but if you film it and put it on the internet, it's legal because then it's freedom of speech. Well, I mean, like, in theory, the the person, if they're earning money, uh, it's just the who's earning money. I, I no, I know, I know. Yeah. But if, if if you if you make a adult movie, then it's legal. But if you as a, as a private citizen, you accept you're, money for sex. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I I don't know. I, I, the 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 freedom argument is very funny to me. Isn't it? Well, it also just reminds me that like historically, people have had to break the law to push um, society forward, right? So, um, and it's yeah, like yeah. But uh, I've never felt the need to push things in that way. I've always felt more of the need to find a place where I'm not bothered, and then I feel like the people who agree with it or want to see it they'll they'll come find you but yeah. i never what what i mean maybe is that uh you know i i have certain things i want to do like anyone yeah. like as an artist you you have your interests and they don't fit in with what's shown at the time in museums so you don't feel at home there and then some people will be like you know what i'm going to push my way into the museum and other people are like well, I'll start an own artist center or I'll start sure. my own film distribution or whatever. And so I've always believed in creating alternatives and not really like yeah. trying to push things down people's throats. Well, no, of course, like, the, you know, you get these community, you know, different communities clustering like um, and that's true in, in real life as much as it is online. Like, remember, Tumblr was, you know, the one platform that would accept um, like indie porn and stuff. Right. So people kind of flocked there to create you know community or like i mentioned second life earlier it reminded me that like it, i guess if you were into furries like that was the place because i can remember just like going <laughs> in like in late what well, looks like i still around but in sort of late into its hype and it was like there was a lot of uh weird stuff going on in terms of like, Is it, isn't that also what makes it exciting that it's not allowed in most places and you have to know where to go in second life in general, like, you, <laughs> okay. you, you, yeah. you know, like you're into something that other people don't like and then, oh, this is hard to find and that makes it more exciting. Yeah, sure. I mean, I guess that would, I mean. I don't want to, I don't want to yeah. be offend. I don't want to offend anyone who's really, you know what I'm saying. Well, the whole but topic I, I is about think being this... offensive. So it's like, it, like ultimately it's yeah. a, a subjective kind of space, but, you know, within that there are social, social norms and. Yeah, there's a lot of conflicting politics here. I, I've kind of set a whole bunch of landmines off. <laughs> but, I mean, in the history of art, a lot of times it's been down to, um, you know, whether something is copyright. Well, I guess there are lots of different things in the history of art. There's been political incursions. There have been copyright, you know, violations. There have been child pornography kind of incidents i know that was a big one here in canada it's it's a huge huge topic i didn't mean to just like flippantly bring it up because snapchat rejected a filter but i think that's why i, I felt triggered is like it's it's big and complex and these platforms reduce it down to like a single human being who's like interpreting it in like five seconds and i don't feel great for them like how many things are they reviewing a day and i know that google like automated it a lot of it with like you know if you're like that YouTube stream thing, it just looks for the waveform of like a copyright song, right? So then it just automatically shuts it down. It ir like irrespective of whether you have um, modified, you know, it sufficiently to fit within American law. I think that's the weird thing, I think, is that there are kind of two layers of law. Like, there, you know, I would assume like the, the policies that the government sets up Right. Or like, but then again, we're talking internationally, but let's just say the Internet only existed in the United States and you abided by the law. You know, that still wouldn't meet a lot of the requirements of using various platforms. Right. Like even within the letter of the law. And I guess you could go to the Supreme Court. You could be like, Google, I do have fair use of this material. Right. Like I am allowed to use this image. 
And they yeah, were, but maybe Google's like, hey, we're building a new product where you can pay to license songs, so we don't want your video right now. Well, I always like, but I always argued like um, years like ago. It, it, yeah. what, one thing I, I think is very funny is that it seems like people have lost faith that institutions will save them, and so then they're like, we should have these profitable organizations called companies, and they should save us. So they should be ideological. And they should be mm-hmm. do good corporations and etc. But it's like no, Google wants to make money, so they want you to pay for using the song, and they own a distribution of music. So of course they want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And then I mean, you, you can't be upset that. And and same with Snapchat. They're like, well, we definitely want this to be family friendly. You know, because I, yeah. that. Yeah. That age group is important to us. I think you're right, though. Like, it's like a, a it, it's a convenience deal. Like, in exchange for this, you know, magic, you know, we need you to forfeit some of your your freedoms. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, um, well, I, I find I find the U.S. not free at all. Like, very little. Like, maybe you can buy guns, but other than that, I find it more culture actually that in a weird way is very cohesive in the sense that everybody fights for the same money thing and then when it gets down to business you just have to make the the most bland mainstream thing because that'll work so then you end up with mcdonald's so in a way it's very cooperative in the sense that most people like it so you're not trying to make the weirdest extreme flavor you're just trying to make the flavor that's the most agreeable to everyone which in a way is a very collaborative thing like Let's find out what everybody likes. Mm. It's not about the artist. It's about what the customer wants. Yeah. And so that, that goes back to your rejection. It's like the corporate way is to find out like, hey, let's make something that maybe a little bit of violence, but definitely nothing sexual. And then all parents will approve it. And then everybody's happy. Yeah. But like imagine, and I guess this, this did happen. Like imagine you're like, you know, Kandinsky or someone, and you're like painting a bunch of shapes on canvas, and someone like comes along, and it's like, that's very crude. I'm sorry, you can't paint that, right? But that has happened yeah. historically. Um, yeah, of course. Well, it, it, it's it's again, it, it's a, a distribution thing. Like, okay, you can make that painting on your own, but it can't be in the exhibition. Mm-hmm. So that that's the first, or it won't be in the catalog. It's too offensive, or we won't. And it, there might have been a lot of great works throughout history that just disappeared because. There was no economic engine behind it. No one was supporting it. And yeah, it also reminds me, though, that like images can still, you know, pack a punch. They can still be considered, you know, politically volatile. Um, the, the one thing I, I never understood is that I love offensive humor and offensive music and offensive mu- movies. Mm-hmm. But I never even slightly felt the need to offend. I found it very boring in the visual arts to be offensive. To I, offend I f- others? Yeah, but what yeah, is offensive? I, like, well, what, what I, maybe what I'm trying to say is, visual art as as a culture, like as a club or as the the way, it's very polite and elitist and safe. Mm-hmm. So it's so easy to shock within that realm because what you're doing, like let's say you put a little wiggly thing on your forehead, it kind of looks like a penis. It's very very mild, but then in the art context, it's kind of like ooh, <laughs> but. In the, in the context of, let's say, a comedy show, someone putting a, a wiggly dildo on his forehead is, is not that shocking. No, it's it'd just be kind boring, of like, yeah. yeah, and so I've, I've always had this... When you see rebellious characters, uh, 
in the visual arts that are kind of trying to be rock and roll, it just seems like it's too easy of a place to be rebellious. Mm-hmm. Like, like try shocking the punk audience because they've already been shocked by a million things. Don't try to shock like an art historian who's in the library all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think though, like my the, my worry is always like you know, what might be shocking might change over time or what might be allowed might change more more than what's shocking. Like the word shocking is hard to really, you know, kind of pin down. But I'm like, I remember looking through, I was doing work and writing about like patents and like patent trolls a few years ago and specifically looking at like patent portfolios of for augmented reality and the future of gestural computing and you know, like Apple at the time, you know, had there was some controversy because they had patented pinch to zoom. You know, like when you're using an Apple phone, you know, and you're zooming in on a photo. I remember that the goats, goats image or what was it called? Goatsy for pinch to zoom. Yeah. Yeah. But oh, what's the goatsy image? What do you mean? Was it an artist? It's a, uh, it was some image of a guy spreading his butt and that was used to <laughs> demonstrate the pinch to zoom thing. Oh, I didn't know that one. Well, it's, I mean, yeah, case in point, though, like, at the time, you know, other companies and, and just people in general, like, wait a second, like, you know, the, like, do we, do we need to license this gesture that is, like, kind of a human gesture? Like, people were, like, making things bigger with their fingers that way. You know, you think of squishing someone with your fingers as, like, a party trick on camera, right? Like, you squish two fingers together. Yeah, yeah it's almost like, oh, we're going to patent sneezing. Well, yeah, and then so looking at the patent portfolios of, you know, Apple and others, they they had stuff like Apple had like the peace sign, like, you know, holding two fingers up or the V is for victory. I mean, it's been used in different ways. And then like Microsoft had like, um, you know, holding, cupping your ear to turn up the volume. And, and they also had like putting your, your index finger near your lip. Those corporate scoundrels. No, but like it's, you know, you start to think like, wait a second, if so right now, like a I have to obey by all the rules of the internet, especially because I work from home, right? So everything I do passes through this filter of rules and regulations called like the internet, right? The terms yes, of service. Yeah, the terms of service. But if those terms and service are applied like universally through, like, universally through some sort of augmented reality interface, like if the whole world was the internet, and this is the Web three kind of restatement, um, you know, mixed with augmented reality, you might be living in a world where you know, certain gestures are, you know, not, um, allowed. Like, I, I don't know who owns the middle finger, but I have a feeling yeah. it'd be the first one to be rejected. <laughs> it's like, um, well, yeah. it, it's weird. I was talking about it with a friend, like we've been going through centuries of all kinds of unspoken rules. Mm-hmm. Like you're not allowed to say certain things in the church and then you're not allowed to say certain things at an art opening or you're not allowed to behave a certain way at school or and like places have these weird rules and I, I, it doesn't seem so weird to me but maybe it will be i don't know like i I'm actually, i don't feel like yeah. like i'm a different person because email has a strict protocol or iMessage or i think the point on my side is like i'm okay with it as long as it's negotiated socially because you know you vote successive governments in and social progress happen, you know, seems to happen. Um, but I'm worried, I mean, and like if it happens corporately, um, and specifically if the corporate, um, evolution is slower than the social revolution, I think it's funny because like tech companies always champion, like the government regulators can't keep up with us. 
but they seem to be able to like keep up plenty with like adding certain types of regulation to their terms of service. You know what you did? What? You tricked me into talking about policy. <laughs> no, I know. That's what I was saying. I, I laid a bunch of landmines. I apologize. We don't what have to go. Fuck, but... What the fuck do I have to? Yeah. <laughs> we don't have to go deep on it. Um, no. I have no opinion. I'm tr- it's so hard not to have an opinion about this stuff. I'm just trying to not have it. You know opinion. what? I'm actually conflicted, though. That's why I, I think I, I, I started the podcast in kind of a frustrated place because I recognize it as both, you know, like we're living in this time where um, where like we're, we're faulting Facebook for not taking more action to censor content. And then I'm upset because you know, they are censoring a, a separate type of content. And I think... Yeah, but this this is crystal clear to me. You just got to write your own app or your own... Well, that was my original proposal. And then a bunch of my filters got through. And then I was like, oh, I guess I can use this. And then it's like, mm. that. it's the arbitrary nature of it that upsets me, right? Yeah. Um, anyway, you're right. I'm going to... And I can still do anything on my own phone and computer. And I think um, you're right. Like, everyone should sideload <laughs> and root it. Yeah, not even sideload. You can make... Uh, uh, AR experiences in the browser with the uh, with the webcam. Yeah, no, no, you're right. No one controls it. You're right. It's time to go solo. <laughs> yeah, own as much of the stack as you can. Yeah, but I always used I, to say that in regards to if we go back to art, though, like the institutional critique is in some ways it's very similar. That that to me is a good point. That I do feel like I don't feel like I can say anything about the copyright and the politics, but institutional critique is so funny to me. It's like it's like the word, it's like Zoolander. It's <laughs> as hilarious because people are upset about the institutions, but also can only do that critique within the institution, which to begin with, it's a really weird institution that's set, that's set up to be separate from society. It's like we have a museum. It's basically an expensive building with no furniture. And within that realm, there's like these status objects and it's all about money and power and then you go in there and say like it's it's like going into a ferrari dealership and then wearing a t-shirt saying ferrari sucks Mm -hmm. it's like why why even bother why go to the ferrari shop yeah but i think it's because the employees at the museum feel the same way as the artists yeah but you know the institutional critique people they still want to go to parties and get flown in and uh, they they want the glamour of it too because it it always feels like they're trying to stand up for economic disparity, but they're not speaking to the people who are at the bottom of the ranks. No, I know, but they're, in, not, I think they're that, not using their language. That's what's always just so weird to me. In like, the in the kind of most abstract language, though, it was always just like you know pushback against the idea of a white cube, right? You know, right? That there would this. Yeah, no, I understand, but but yeah. to me, BYOB was institutional critique, but outside of the system, mm-hmm. and no one read it that way. But to me, it was like, why do we have a curator decide what works you show? It's ridiculous. You you're an artist. You can decide yourself. <laughs> it's crazy. Why would you have a non-artist decide on what works you show? That's insane. Well, also a lot of people and, get upset that they don't have enough shows, right? You're exactly. Like, mm-hmm. So that's why BYOB. Like you start your own show. There's no censorship. Show whatever you want, and if you're not invited, start your own. Mm-hmm. It's very simple. But no one read it as institutional critique because institutional critique only works if you're invited, which is very ironic. Yeah. You can only critique something you're invited to. So how can you critique? It, it's it's insanity. Yeah. Yeah, I know it is. It's um. 
It's a, it's just an interesting, like whether it's an aesthetic critique or a political one. I think at the end of the day, you're right. Like, you, like this, the strategy fundamentally almost always is create your own space and build a community, right? And it's actually like a, unfortunately, it's also a corporate strategy. They call it like you know, putting together your own beachhead, or like a land and expand strategy, where it's like. Find somewhere where you can well, build like niche. Yeah, attention. and I I do think that frustration and anger can be a good starting point. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this this institution is really not speaking to me. It's not representing my way of thinking, my way of being. It it doesn't feel the way I grew up. It's not using a different language, whatever. And I'm gonna start my own thing. And beautiful things can come out of that anger. Well, I think the open source revolution came out of that anger. Like if, if we like look at software, like, you know, people were kind of tired of um, it being like, you know, versioned releases that came from corporate entities and that can't we just work together to make something better for all of us, right? Like, and then open source inspired political movements too, right? Like where people were like, well, you know, there's there's a lack of privacy on the internet. So in Germany, right? Like literally like, hacktivists got together and like, hey, let's champion in the German government to have new privacy laws. That ended up yeah. in GDPR, right? Um, which has become a I, global... I'm, like, I'm, I'm going to plead the fifth again. It's the policy. <laughs> you're, not, you're not tricking me again. No, but GDPR is something like, um, like as a European, you're probably proud of at this point. Like the right to privacy and the right to understand what data was collected. About. The right to have those annoying pop-ups. <laughs> That's the way it's, that's the way it comes to life. It's true. Yeah. Why do I have to agree each time to be tracked? I'm like, I already, I already said it's okay. I, I, and not only that, it's <laughs> I, I don't understand because if you don't agree, then the website doesn't work. So you either visit the website or you don't. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry. Like, I just went into a, a rant because I didn't have time. No, it's good. It's just, a real talk. It's real talk. Real, real talk yeah. in real time. And honestly, like, like, I yeah. think it's good for our audience to know that even the world's most famous new media artist sometimes has a tough day. It's not even very hard, but it's just because it, originally I was going to build a whole project around the controversy, thinking it wouldn't get approved. And it, so it's like I said, it's the arbitrary nature more than if I knew if I know the rules and I know how to break them, then I can be in control. If you keep changing the rules on me, like it's like shifting sand, it's quicksand. It's really hard for me to actually strategize. It's like, yeah. you know, what's like the art of war? It's like you're supposed to, you know, be able to um, kind of fool your enemy, like into that you're the stupid one so that you can be the smart one, right? And if they're, they think you clo- you're close, you're actually far. If you're actually far, you're really close. You're, you know, you're always kind of avoiding conflict. That's the art of war, right? Like you avoid conflict at yeah. all costs. But I can't engage in the air of war if you're always changing your rules. <laughs> so, except I think you're right. You can by just avoiding it altogether. Um, yeah. Which is. But yeah, uh, yeah I, I do think you have a point that as an artist, you can decide, okay, I'm going to build my own software. I'm going to make my own stack. And then no one sees it because everybody's on social media. Well, you're I did like, that for years. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what if you're like, social media is stupid. It's controlled by stupid companies with the wrong incentives. <laughs> I'm going to operate on the web. And then people are like, oh, well, how do I find you? Yeah. Yeah. That's my AR argument from earlier. That like That's the threat of, if you didn't have internet access today, for example, how well do you think you would, you know, be you know you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be able to work like in a lot in a lot of fields yeah. so 
access to the internet has actually like become a human right as far as like you know many organizations and countries are concerned because in order to participate in the economy you need to have it um but similarly i think like yeah there's all kinds of ways that you know participation can be um impinged upon and but i do love your idea that like community um and like you know working like frustration outside. can lead to yeah. ideas that get realized it, 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 there was that show in the white chapel that was the post-internet big show i think you were in it or not? yeah 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 and i think every one of my friends was in it and i wasn't and i was so pissed i was like how many websites do i have to make before i get <laughs> acknowledged that i'm an internet artist and then finally i had been waiting for a long time for my like a book deal or to get a book done and then I was so pissed and I was speaking to my gallerist about this whole thing and why I wasn't chosen, etc. And it's like, you know what? I'm just going to release my own book. I'll just fund it myself. I'll do it myself. And then he's like, oh, no, wait, I know a publisher. But just <laughs> speaking up. Yeah. And But even the experience with the publisher was wonderful. But I think the next time I'm just going to do it myself. Like, Well, you know what's crazy about the Snapchat thing that I just mentioned? is like I'm officially a Snapchat like lens creator. Like I'm part of their like... Very how many, privileged. How program. how narrow of of a group is that? It's like a few thousand people on the planet. Like, and so I have like a okay. direct line. I'll I can message someone tonight, and they'll like talk to me about it. But um, it's it doesn't like that. It doesn't really help that much. But like in a way, I could speak up. But I but probably did you would. did you make that thing? wanting to make it wanting to test their limits or you thought there would be no problem well i already did test the limits <laughs> yeah I, originally i was like i did want to test the limits and then i wanted to figure out like if i could surf right on the edge of the knife yeah you know and i know it, i was yeah. playing with fire but uh, our good friend the uh, writer ribs he always does projects that <laughs> he clearly wants to offend and then everybody's offended and then he's all upset it's like why are they so offended <laughs> No, you're so right. It, I actually have no yeah. right to be upset because exactly like it, you it's like written it. into the proposal. I should show you where it's like they will likely reject these things, and then yeah, we will yeah, use yeah. that to generate. That's PR. part of the idea. Yeah. Yeah, but at the same time, I didn't want that to happen until like after. <laughs> but it, it it's very interesting to me whether I um, stay away from offensive art and making offensive gestures because i'm scared or because it's not interesting i i don't know like because i love consuming as offensive content i mm. love well, it in all forms but somehow to me it's very boring within the visual arts i was super um interested in offending people really early in my career specifically like um like digital and new media artists like what at the time because this is in the early 2000s there were sort of frankly, a lot of men and a lot of white men that kind of like wore black turtlenecks and they were like German usually, like they had been to Ars Electronica five or 10 times. And they would like, they were always championing like the latest technology breakthroughs. And there were these meetups like all over the world where people would like show each other their media art. And I was coming from a video art background, which is a bit more punk, to be honest with you. Like, like there was just like more people doing it. And um, it was more accessible, but in these new media circles, it seemed like really inaccessible. I remember thinking like, and really all like uniform. And so I would go in like, there's one occasion and I actually regret it, <laughs> um, where I presented work to like, it was an event called Dorkbot and this guy, Douglas, 
um, was hosting it and he was, he had been kind enough to invite me. And then I was like, I'll show not him, but I was like, I'll show this group. And like, you know, I was really pissed off that these people were all about like the what and not the why. And I ended up showing like a, a pretty horrific video <laughs> that like was supposed to be a demo for like painting software, but the, I was painting over top of like some really offensive imagery and I did it because I wanted people to react like to your point about Ryder, right? Where I was like, at the end, I want them to ask, why did you do that? But instead, uh, of course they didn't do that. <laughs> Except, so what was the reaction? The reaction was like, are you going to release another version of this software? So it was extremely disappointing actually in a way, because like I got the reaction I expected and like I hurt my friend's feelings. Like Douglas, mm. Douglas was like, the, why did you do that? This is maybe you have a good point. So one of the, the key elements of frustration is expectations. Mm. So you had an expectation. You, and I feel like a lot of artists put thought into a work and they want the audience to find that hidden... Uh, they leave a few clues and there's a certain conclusion that they want the audience to find. And then they're disappointed. The audience is not smart enough. They're not yeah. looking carefully. They're lazy. They didn't watch it till the end, whatever. And I think this is why I'm not interested in offending. I'm not interested in having any control over the outcome of the the reading. Yeah. And and I think that's I think that's why if offensive. What's yeah? Work, it's, like it's hard to it, do it, well. it can be kind of one dimensional where you're like, okay, I want this conclusion. It's like, why not just spell out the conclusion? Why go through all the trouble of making the work? Yeah, that's true. Except it can be like. Um... Like in, in the corporate realm, this is like what's considered challenger brand kind of territory. So like you have like Coca-Cola and then like someone comes along and like Mountain Dew or something like, yeah, you Coke nerds can keep drinking your Coke, but Mountain Dew's for the extreme folks. <laughs> like and through that effort, that communication effort, they like sway. They, they in fact, they want to offend people because they want the few people. But that they agree give with Coke. Them. They give Coke attention. That's what they end up doing. Well, sometimes, yeah. And then if it works well, they attract like a smaller loyal following like of people from the Coke thing are like, yeah, this place is really boring. We want, you know, forget it. I don't care about Santa Claus. I want to go like snowboarding. Um, and, you know, that's kind of a strategy. Yeah. But the, the, the risk is the same with institutional critique. The risk is that there's no such thing as bad press. And so you're just giving the institution more attention and more credibility. So, yeah, I feel I feel like let, let's say that you are making an institutional critique project and you're like, oh, we looked at the database. This museum is not diverse and all the donors are evil and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And the message to a lot of people is like, wow, that's a really powerful institution. Yeah. But, I, I, you know, like, uh, yeah, the, but more likely in, in the art world, like successive generations are like. Hey, Grandpa! Like, move over. It's my time. You know, here's how yeah. things are gonna be. Yeah. Um, it's gonna be abstract expressionism now. Like, no more of this realism. Um, and and then people are like, oh, it, like everyone, and it doesn't work like ninety nine point nine percent of the time. But it does like on some kind of like generational shift, right? Like, yeah. Um, and I think institutional critique like did result in a lot of institutional evolution. Like, uh, for example public programming, which love it or hate it, like the idea that uh, institutions should serve not just their funders, but also the public, in, like the people that, in the communities that they 
Occupy uh, was an idea that came out of institutional critique and relational aesthetics yeah. in the 1990s. So like that, that, that's a whole chapter of the institution that didn't exist without the critique in the first place. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then you have like, uh, our fit, you it, know, like a yeah. Duchamp, Duchamp putting a urinal in the, uh, you know, that was a form of institutional critique, right? That really resulted in conceptual art, like the next hundred years of... How was, how was that institutional critique? It was like, this is art, right? Like, I can get away with it. No, uh, but I, I feel like there's a difference between challenging what is art and saying, hey, uh, we don't like the business model of this museum. Mm, I see what you're saying. Because the way I'm reading it is like, within, when, with, like the Salon de Refusé kind of argument is... The institution only accepts this type of art, so yeah, yeah, yeah. you know we're gonna go create this separate place, um, or we're gonna yeah. incur you know some some wrath with this artwork. Um, yeah, yeah. And then there's the it's the classic uh, trajectory that you create something that rejects the status quo, and then by creating something new, you become the status quo, which kind of. If you're lucky, I guess so. Yeah, but what what's funny is. Uh, you know, I, I feel like internet art was always the realm of the amateur. It was the people who didn't have access and power, but they just messed around on their computer. The The software is free. It's cheap to make. You don't need a big studio. You don't need to know curators, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And now slowly, all the nerds with crypto are like, yeah, this is the type of art we want to see. And then <laughs> if the money shifts to all these amateur nerds, yeah, then all of a sudden they are the mainstream and the institutions have to support them. Yeah, I will agree on um, on a few like f factors. Like for the first time, my tech friends like. But in, who, in a way, like yeah. NFT or, or NetArt or whatever you want to call it, is exactly what I was talking about. That it's not exactly institutional critique. It's more just like all the rejects going somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but like it's becoming mainstream. I think that's yeah. Inter yeah. What's interesting about it? Like I have people that would never even consider buying art, asking me, you know who should I be looking at in the NFT space? Which I, yeah. These are people with tech, you know, incomes and they, and they're it's saying funny. like, I want to yeah. support a certain type of art. Like they're not even just saying I want NFTs. They're like, I want to support artists, which yeah, I, yeah. But, but yeah. what's really funny is growing up, you start out as an artist and you think from the artist perspective. So you're in art school, you're surrounded by artists. You don't know any gallerists. You don't know any curators. You only know the makers. And as you grow older, all of a sudden you have friends and they're like, yeah, we moved to a bigger house. I want to buy some art. Mm -hmm. And it's so weird when you're not used to it. It's like, oh, but you want it to fit in on that wall. So a, <laughs> a portrait oriented work is preferred because of that wall. And over there you want something that's not sensitive to light because the sun is shining there and it has to look good with the couch. And if you take that further, if you're like, think from a corporate perspective you want to be user friendly mm -hmm. you know and we could tie this back to institutional critique but it's like the customer is king so it's funny like christina we're looking at a uh, we have an empty wall basically and she's like oh i'd love a big photograph of a japanese landscape or something like that mm -hmm. and i mentioned sugimoto this conceptual photographer like a blue chip artist she's like oh it's cool can we buy one it's like <laughs> You don't even think about that. It's like, oh, he's in the half a million to a million range for right. his photos. But when you you look at the work and you be like, oh, that would look great in our living room. But that's not how we were raised coming from art school. We don't think, 
oh, this work would look so cool in my living room. That's not how we, th we think like, this is the grand trajectory that's going to help humanity and <laughs> all these aesthetic critiques are going to bring us to a universal truth. And we're not thinking like, oh, that would look really good next to the kitchen. Yeah, but I do find like, because I'm on Zoom calls in my home, more and more like people I work with are like, wow, it seems like you have really good taste in art. Can you like help me? choose an artwork and i'm like mm, you're yeah. right like then actually the next thing i'm like oh yes no, i it, could but i have to download but you all are this, you know yeah and you're an expert but what, what's funny is that, like as you grow older people buy houses they have bigger places yeah, they right, want no. art and and then they're like you're an artist can you tell me what to get and it's really weird everything has shifted to online and you can there's sales and there's coupon codes and everything you can buy a car with a coupon code and <laughs> You can find like, oh, it's a Black Monday sale, whatever, uh, Black Friday, Cyber Monday. And then when it comes to art, it's like nothing, zero. It's like everything's opaque. Uh, oh, do we know who you are? We might not sell to you, blah, blah, blah. And it's really funny. It's, it's the last, last uh, It's like domino. buying a Maserati. I don't know. Like, um, but you're right. It's like designed to keep. Yeah, people, but it, 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 uh, it there is art in, in, in many price ranges. So the, there is, you know, there's really yeah. great photographers that you could buy a huge work, uh, you know. No, no, I had 10,000 percent agree. Much. I, I, I agree that and, like and, I bought and so works for five hundred dollars and I had to like. Yeah, get but there's a, a huge. <laughs> I, I think I think the smaller galleries want to seem bigger than they are. So they're like, oh, only prices on request, etc. We don't want to look like we're Etsy. <laughs> but actually they're in the Etsy price range mm -hmm. yeah no I mean and I'm so, shocked sometimes by like if you just kind of browse um, you know the Etsy collections that the, it's not like everything is is free you know it's it, there's actual no. more prices attached and it, you to, know like, maybe it took a long time to make and the materials are expensive and there's a lot of shipping and it, yeah but also I think like we can't say that Etsy's not as legitimate as a small gallery it is no exactly but it, it, I do think when you Classically, you know, certain stores are in a certain district and galleries are in the gallery district. So it's all geographically separated. So even if the work is affordable, it still contextualizes art. Yeah. But when you're on Etsy and all of a sudden it's like, oh, a young photographer that went to Goldsmiths is just as expensive as this custom knitted blanket for your mm -hmm. home. And it, it the, the context disappears. And mm -hmm. that's kind of scary for for the art system. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, except, yeah, in the, but the gallery could, the, I mean, the one thing that the gallery is, is, is the independent platform you were talking about earlier versus like an Etsy is the closed platform, you know, where you're obeying by the Etsy rules, but more so by the algorithmic rules of Etsy. Like if you want to show up on top. How do you stand out? Yeah, yeah. how do you stand out? Yeah, exactly. And that's how YouTube, you know, became YouTube and it looks all the same. It's hard to, like, there's so much content, but it's so hard to find anything you like. Um or that is different from what you already liked, you know? So uh, we've talked it's about that. It's funny. Each, each episode before we record, we decide on the question of the week. And this week, we're just rambling. Well, it's not a ramble. Like, the, at the end of the day, like, we have talked, we've, we've talked about the platform problem I'm not. Before. I'm not critiquing it, but did, did we? <laughs> okay, so, so, yeah. One thing I wanted to bring up was this uh, problem I have with Twitter. Like, I'll say stuff and people take it the wrong way. I don't know if you get that. You're super Sometimes. active on Twitter now, I noticed. Yeah, I'm kind of into it. And, and then a while ago, I, I put this tweet, when we're promoting our work, we're not making our work. Mm -hmm. 
And then people are so offended. You privileged asshole. You're so successful. And we have to promote ourselves. Blah, blah. It's not what I'm trying to say. It's like we're all in the same boat. If we're independent artists, we're going to have to do promotional work that artists who are supported by uh, powerful galleries don't have to do themselves. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But the subtlety is lost in a tweet, of course. And then this week I said something like every tweet basically is like saying, I'm smart by my stuff. Yeah. And but, people were like, oh, you're talking about me. And I'm like, no, I'm talking about myself. Yeah, but a lot of, of artists course, like, are really sensitive about self-promotion because it feels yeah, so... Uh, no, I know. It's so but difficult. It's, it's, I know, but it's funny that when I say that, that people don't think I would ever criticize myself, that it's directed at them. Oh, interesting, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. I think you've... We've talked about it on the podcast for years. Like, the, if we did... A, we could do a whole episode on self-promotion. We have. We've actually done it a number of, number of times. So any of those tweets could be unpacked. Uh, and we spend an hour talking about it. It's true. And... Yeah, ultimately, even with the project that I started this conversation off with, like through talking about it more and more, like that's how I build a, a narrative around a new body of work. I need some reaction from the world and even from the platforms, maybe in the institutions in order to like form an opinion. This is just my own personal practice. I, I know you work differently. You're like, here it is. Like, I thought about this. It's perfect. But I don't know if you are like that, right? Like whatever you're like is is, is okay. But for me, I definitely need those signals, um, whether it's like, and so I don't know if you do this, but I, when I'm starting a new project, I interview people now, or I, I test it with them, like uh, with quite a few people, usually like similar. How, how, can you explain how, like step by step, how you go, like, how do you choose the people? How do you go about it? Yeah. Like, well, it, I mean, it usually starts with just like talking to a friend, right? But then... Over time, but, you but, in the art world, you get like access to better and better, you know, not better people, but like different people from different backgrounds. Be careful what you're saying. No, no, no. What I'm saying is like, you are you grow saying a, certain people are better than other people? <laughs> I'm saying you you grow a community around yourself, and through okay. growing that community, like you can get access to different points of view, and then you can start to kind of anticipate what the point of view will be from a more general audience. You can never fully anticipate, right? But like. You can you can test ideas that you're not you're feeling uncertain about. You can like test, you know, talking about things, because if you ever do a news story or get interviewed and you haven't really talked about it, I don't know if, about you, but I, like it's nerve wracking, right? Like you, you're you're like, well, I haven't even considered this. So you have to say I haven't considered this. Right. Like so it gives you an opportunity, I think, to like look at the broader context for your work. Um and so anyway, personally, I need those signals. So even though I started off the podcast angry, like those signals help me form a position. And then I usually write about that position as well. And I actually did write a whole essay for that work that had like all of the stuff that just happened. So I, yeah. I'm, I'm able to process it. It's just like, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm just, I'm trying to think because Ryder did a project with Pornhub, I think, some kind of real life uh, IRL exhibition. Yeah. Do you remember that? And so I'm thinking maybe you should partner with Pornhub to do <laughs> AR filters. Yeah, maybe I should. I don't know. You know. Oh, I just want to go to bed. <laughs> this weekend is you over. have to watch Succession tonight. Yeah, right? Succession. That's my, my stress relief. Yeah, um, I signed up for HBO Max again. So I'm, I'm watching Curb Your Enthusiasm. But. I did take your advice, though, and like canceled all my subscriptions and then... Oh, good. Yeah. Well, except for which ones came back? Um, well, I noticed that I wasn't like paying for some, like they were still on free trial, like Apple TV and stuff. But, um, yeah, 
Yeah, nothing's really come back. Um, no, I'm, I mean, no I mean, engine. Obviously, I, yeah, no, I, I still have. I didn't cancel Netflix. I feel like that's like oxygen or something. Like I would, I would cause a riot in my house. <laughs> but it's extremely expensive now. I remember yeah. when it was like eight bucks. Like it's mine's I like find, over twenty. I bucks. would love to. I would love to cancel. I would love to cancel Netflix just because. You know, there's a couple of shows Christina likes, so we're not going to cancel it. But I find that all the services offer certain movies that you don't really want to see, but it's there and you feel like it's for free because you're already paying monthly. Mm-hmm. And instead, if you would cancel all of them and really rent the movie you actually want to see, you get much more value. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. That sounds like how I, I, I use it. Like I have a video game subscription, but like a single video game costs like 80 bucks. And even if I only play. No, one we're renting a year, movies three or four bucks. Is it? I feel like it's like 20 bucks now because they do like. Oh, that's the movie. new. The, no, those are the new movies. But I'm saying <laughs> like. Yeah. 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 That's but Metrograph is. is back open. So I'm, that's okay. where I'm Yeah. Well, this yeah. is this is the rambling end to my original frustration. Thank you for talking it out with me and um, to our listeners for, for bearing, yeah. bearing with uh, like what is probably. I think you like, have an, a niche yeah. market for adult AR. Yeah, like I don't think of it as adult AR. I just think of it as like, I, I, you know what? I, yeah. Anyway, I'll figure it out. <laughs> I'll figure, figure it out. I'll figure it out. Yeah, Jeremy's sleazy AR bar. <laughs> By the way, the filter also would give you, like, gave you breasts and it could give you other things. But, like, so it, I don't know. Like, what, ugh. anyway, I don't want to go back down this route. But what, what is the, what is the, why do you think you feel, even in the slightest, that you want to play with the limits of these platforms? Why do you want their attention? Or what, what, what is that? Well, because identity, like I said earlier, like this, there's filter dysmorphia. Identity and the internet are intertwined. Like this is for mm. me anyway, like impossible for me to um, to ignore. Like in any of my work, it's there. It's like there in my augmented reality sculptures. It's there in all my videos. And I don't ju- like. I don't usually just talk about the internet. I talk about all structures of power and how they modify and make us feel either ashamed or not ashamed. I think actually you're interested in shame versus not shame too you just express it in a different way and as an artist i find that shame is like the highest um and kind of most malicious form of control because it makes you feel like you can't express yourself right like you can't be your real self your authentic self and so i'm always interested in exploring you know the constraints that prevent us from you know as a society exploring our greatest potential and ultimately, yeah. um, well, that, that's I, I wrote that one tweet where I was like, oh, every tweet ever is like, hey, I'm smart, buy my stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I think a couple of people were like, oh, that's uh, not nice, etc. And then I realized it was a really lame tweet because it just creates this moment where people are like, oh, yeah, I am kind of self-promoting too much. I should calm down. And then that's not what I was trying to say. It was more directed myself. But I realized attaching any kind of that's why i never aligned with critics i just don't like this idea of like going into someone's mind and being like a a force of like a wind in someone's enthusiasm you know like a not a wind in your back but a wind 
a headwind. So I, I don't want to be a headwind for anyone. And so yeah. that's why I feel like being that kind of... It's different in person. I feel like you can just joke around and it's more subtle and you can read the, the thought better. But on social media, I just never want to be the person who becomes the voice in someone's head saying like, yeah, everything's lame, everything's been done, everything sucks. Yeah, you can't do this. It's not worth doing. I, I mean, I want yeah. to be the opposite. Yeah, I'm like, I like... Yeah, it's never going to work. Don't even try. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my tagline on LinkedIn is like, believer in you. I really do believe in everyone's unique potential and that's what I spend most of my days doing, like at work and as an artist, I believe in it too. But, um, and it's only because people believed in me the same way, like, uh, and maybe it's not only because of that, but it really did kind of, there are certain people in my life that really changed yeah. my trajectory and I'm grateful for that. Well, I, I always, I really felt that the internet was this great place where in my school, you know, my teachers didn't really connect with my work. It was kind of, okay but it wasn't their thing and then you just put stuff online and then someone across the world is like hey this is really interesting mm -hmm. yeah that was the original and, power yeah and so that's always been and that's why i never i just grew up in a context where the curatorial tone of voice didn't fit my work and so that you know originally you'd graduate art school it's like okay i need support who's going to show my work mm-hmm yeah, I mean, like, like early on, I would, um, I got a lot of encouragement at school. I also got like hate mail, which when I put stuff on the internet, just because of like the aesthetics of my work and what I looked like and what I sounded like. Um, and that was always interesting, but it didn't actually dissuade me at all. It like actually to the point we were talking about <laughs> like, earlier. Yeah, let's like, go. I want more yeah, hate was, mail. Yeah, well, it was more like, okay, I must be like hitting a, a chord or a nerve here. Yeah. Right? Like, um, Cause I remember like I did a video and it, it went viral and it was like, people were calling me like the world's strongest nerd or whatever. Um, <laughs> and I just, and then, yeah, it was good. It was empowering I, in some way to be a nerd. The, the thing you mentioned of each generation looking at what is art and then rejecting that and bringing a new thing. So, you know, there's realistic painting and then someone says, you know, we can paint a little messier and it, it'll have more emotional content, even though it's not so realistic. Mm -hmm. And then the next person is like, well, we could go further with the messiness and really mess with people's perception and show different perspectives of one object at the same time. And there are things that we can do on the canvas. And then the next person is like, actually, you're staring at a canvas, so let's make it all flat. You know, but all those steps were in the same medium. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's a nice storyline. And I feel like even the last 20 years, you could still, it was still safe within the culture of art. We still understood everybody was a serious artist. And then someone like Beeple, I've seen him, there's this podcast where he talks to Jordan Wolfson, and then there was a interview with him and um, uh, Peter Saul, the painter. Mm -hmm. And it's just such a different language. It's like, they're not even in the same room. They're talking to each other and there's no communication. And I find it very interesting that there's this economic push behind an artist like Beeple, but the art community just doesn't have any tools to critique the new thing because they, it's, it's, it's completely, he's like, yeah, I like generative shit, you know, I like fucking with the computer, <laughs> pow, pow, pow. And then they're like, yeah, but what about... Yeah. And what about just, these norms that were considered um, 
yeah, you know, and there's, valuable. Th- th- there's no tools between them, so it's it's very funny watching it. It's it's um... yeah, because I mean, I think ultimately it, he's like contra-normative in some way. Like he disrupts the like. Yeah, but like it feels like everything before that that trajectory of every five to ten years, there's a new movement. Mm-hmm. It was still the same family, and now all of a sudden, it it it's like. Everybody was doing horse racing, and then someone brings in the motorcycle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, it's just it's just a different thing. You can't compare it. And 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 um, well, in the you know, in the corporate world, they call that disruption or disruption. Yeah, 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 for sure. But it, it's it's weird because it there's so every time you took a new step from uh, impressionism to post impressionism to conceptual art, etc., there were steps. Yeah. and this is. Like a lot of people will argue, people it's a step is backward. not. Yeah. yeah, or they would argue it's not art. It's it's mm-hmm. a different category. I I feel like it's closer to uh, political cartoons in in newspapers, like a daily thing where you critic. No, I'm not being trying to be funny. I'm just okay. saying it's, it's like kind of harsh on him, but like. No, no, no. But there, there's a there's an ethos in the cartoon world. It's like you do something every day. It's current events. It speaks to a lot of people, quick and witty, and I think, you know, it fits better in that narrative. Like, you look at the history of political cartoons, and like you could compare it there. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with making uh, political cartoons. I'm just saying, to me, that's a better way to address what it is. But instead, if you're like trying to compare it, like, is this person the new Monet, and like doesn't work you can't yeah 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 I don't know. but it, it's it's just been funny seeing the art world trying to talk about it like someone was trying to cancel him so they went into all his old drawings and like oh look at this there's a racist drawing and there's like a sexist drawing and he just has such a huge following you can't touch him it's and and the the art world is quite fragile if you're out you're out mm-hmm. and it's like 12 people who decide who's in and out <laughs> i guess I mean, yeah. he could still do something. It do, it sounds like he's he, the naivete is also hard to take down. Like in terms of he's naive yeah. of what yeah. the expectations of the art world are, and that's okay. Yeah. Like that's uh, they've often they often say that like for you to be successful in business, you have to be naive because yeah. uh, you know I was watching some ridiculous interview with Dyson, the inventor of the vacuum cleaner, but like originally when he invented the Dyson vacuum cleaner, he was attempting to like um, you know break this law of physics that he didn't know existed and people were like you can't do that and then i guess he figured it out um (laughs) because he didn't know any better uh and then that's what led to like the company and all of the breakthroughs that we now kind of take for granted not that i'm like a huge dyson vacuum fan but it was just like interesting that like you know naivete actually served uh him well in that context and allowed him to pursue something that others said was impossible yeah. I think we're often in that situation as artists and it's, it is worth like getting angry. Maybe it's okay that I was angry at the start of the podcast and yeah. then, and then figuring out a pathway from there. But um, here we are and we, yeah, I guess you have to focus on what you can control versus what you can't. And uh, yeah, but I, I, I want to just mark people. this down for the record. Cause we're recording. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to think, will, this this sort of populist type of art that might become more economically successful than high art mm-hmm. or already is will 
the high art world have to accept it because it's so expensive or will that they build their own separate museums okay like, like this is a separate podcast but like banksy yeah. didn't like change contemporary art very much right like, no exactly so, yeah yeah so i think it's yeah. like no, there's room true. there's room for one or two banksies a year and you know welcome <laughs> like you get to have that you're like there's coca-cola and pepsi like you get to have the yeah. cola category this year um you yeah. know there's still minivans and there's still like theme parks right like there are lots of categories and sometimes people invent new categories which is i think what we're also talking about and that's a and, yeah and that's i think that's the, the, the a good conclusion new categories let's do it let's go make our own yeah. <laughs> thank you for listening thanks everyone bye bye